are now tuning into But What If I Soar podcast. With your host, Dominique, licensed professional counselor and certified clinical trauma professional and owner of Free to Be Counseling Service and Deveron, licensed social worker and certified life coach and owner of Social MacGyver. The thought-provoking podcast that explores the complexity of mental health through a lens that does not require a prescription. We will explore a wide range of topics with engaging discussions and personal anecdotes that provides a realistic outlook while actively engaging in our own self-discoveries. Let's get ready to soar together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of But What If I Soar? I am your host, Dominique, licensed professional counselor and uh, owner of Free to Be Counseling Services, LLC. And I am your other co-host, Deveron Social MacGyver, and I am a licensed social worker as well as a licensed life coach. Welcome back. Yeah, so we are entering into, I think, our last episode, if I'm not mistaken, of the relationship series. Um, This week, we are going to dive into friendships and the dynamics of those relationships, which... If I think about it, I think those tend to get overlooked because I think we focus so much on like outside of our family. We focus so much on our romantic relationships. If you're a heterosexual, let's let's kind of <laughs> if you're in a heterosexual relationship, I think in my personal opinion, I think we're socialized, at least women are socialized, those who identify as women, I think we're socialized to just kind of prioritize our romantic relationships. So I'm really excited to talk about um uh, friendships and and all of that. I I kind of went on like a deep dive a few months ago uh, after, and we'll kind of talk about it after like a, a situation, and really just kind of started to explore like you know some literature and some information about um, women women friendships um, and just friendships in general. Um, so I'm excited to talk about this this topic. I'm excited too. I think you know friendships are one of the most important relationships that you can have with people. You know, you need to have, you have your romantic relationships, but I also think that having friendships is also essential into having a well-balanced life. So I think that this will be, you know, really interesting to kind of get in and dive in and and unpack. Um, Yeah, same, same. So we will touch briefly just on ways that we've soared um, in the last, well, you know, if if you're following along, we, um, you know, we're recording this about a week out from our last episode. So we're going to just talk a little bit about ways that we've soared in the last, oh, I'm sorry, not what ways we've soared. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, one high and one low from from the week. Um, so everyone, you want to start? Yeah. So um, I'll just kind of briefly talk about it. So one way that, um, or one high that I had is, um, as I talked about during our last podcast, I am preparing for our vow renewal, which I'm really excited for. And, you know, because of having lost my mom, you know, within the last couple of years, um, I, always get a little bit anxious and nervous when there is like some type of special event coming up because I know that that is going to bring a lot of attention around who is missing, right? I never used to have those type of feelings because I really thankfully hadn't lost anyone significant in my life um, until like a couple years ago. Um, and so now when I have these events, 
it's automatic, like who's not going to be in attendance and not because they have something else to do or prior commitment, but because they like literally are not here anymore. Um, And so, you know, trying to just use my coping skills for that. But one of the things I think I kind of talked about was just how important and how much of a role my mom and grandmother would play on events. And I'm not someone who's really good at asking for help or being vulnerable and saying like, look, I'm struggling here. And um, I had been like doing a lot of like deep thinking and just like, you know, trying to process and kind of like talking to my mom and, and just saying like, you know, I really would hope that you show up in some type of way that I could just feel your presence, you know, and just help me get yeah. through this time. And I will say, I don't know what was going on. If she was just like, girl, I got you. But like this week, I've had so many people who are, you know, coming to the Val Renewal reach out to me and just like, what do you need? Like, do can mm. I help out in any way? I was planning on doing this. Like, I mean, just like, the most random things of like, I was going to do this and like, is that good? And like, just like the timing was just like perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like I was in my feelings and just getting like text messages and calls and it was like, okay, mom, like I I know you were listening to me. I know that, you know, I needed this. I didn't ask for, you know, outspoken, but it was really good. Like it was a very big high and it just reminded me like, you have a village, like you have people who are willing to help and do so much, but you have to put yourself out there. Like you have to be vulnerable. And like we talked about in our last podcast, you can't hold people to expectations that you are not making clear, right? Yeah. Like that's just unfair to them. So it was, is a very good high. And, mm-hmm. and I will say like, I, I didn't have any lows. Like I think you know, with the grief, I think that that's something that is there and it's present. Like I said, my anxiety has been increased, but I won't say that that's a low because I want to, I know this is going to sound weird, but I never want to lose the grief of losing my mom. I want to feel yeah. that. I <laughs> want to constantly miss her because you hear people talk about grief and sometimes, you know, I was talking to my niece and she was saying that, Sometimes she is forgetful of certain memories and she does and it hurts her feelings. She doesn't want to lose that. And so I I want to constantly be reminded that I'm missing something. I, I don't ever want there to be a day where I don't think about what my mom would bring to that event or to that day or that moment. Um I kind of find comfort in that grief. So I'm very yeah. happy with it. And I've learned to, you know, use my coping skills and and learn to float when I need to and learn to stand when I need to when those waves are a little bit heavier or a little bit, you know, light. Um, so I will say like that, that was a high. What about you? Yeah. Well, I'm definitely glad that you um, you know, kind of tried to channel her in some way and and then almost immediately you got like such a big response um that that has to feel good this this has to be such a challenging time while you're going through something so um like special right this is 10 years is special you know and to not be able to share that with your mom and your grandmother physically and your uncle and you know your you know people who you've lost that has to be hard but i'm i'm just i'm glad that you 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 caught the signs um yeah. you know that she was sending you yeah yeah. 
Um, well, today's my son's birthday, so that's Woo-hoo! a high for me. <laughs> he, he is four. <laughs> What'd you say? He didn't bring me a cupcake. I <laughs> he was adamant too. <laughs> I know. He's so funny. So he is four today. And my, wow, I just think back and I'm like, I remember when you were such a little baby. I know. You know, like <laughs> me coming home, me and my husband coming home. We, we, what makes like, what made having him so special was, you know, I think traditionally, like when women have kids, they like want their mom or some woman figure with them. And, um, that was the plan. And then right before we had him, my husband was like, you know, maybe we should just take the first two weeks and just, it just be us, mm-hmm. you know, and that we figure this shit out. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> not have people here, just like, let it just be us. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I think my father-in-law might've suggested that to him. Mm-hmm. And I was a bit terrified by that initially. Um, but I was like, you know, this, this, this could be good. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll let you take the the lead here. You know, you made a, a really good suggestion. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll let you, I'll let you take that. And it was such a great bonding experience for the both of us. You know, mm-hmm. neither one of us have had children, you know, it was our first child and there's not a lot of like little kids around us either. So like, I don't think we even really had some of those like instincts from just like being around little kids. You know, I, I can say before I had him, I was like, I don't even know if kids like me. Cause I just don't even be, I don't know if I'll be giving off the vibes, you know what I mean? So, and so that, that part made it special, you know, that we just had those first two weeks. And then like my mom came down the third week and <laughs> my mom always tells this story about how, you know, we clearly weren't getting any sleep. And my mom stayed up with Savon while we, you know, got sleep or whatever. And Irby always says, like, that's the best sleep I done got in, like, the, the two weeks, you know, it's even more. <laughs> because it was rough, you know what I mean? It was rough. Like, not knowing what to expect when my milk came in and not knowing what to expect with breastfeeding. And, I mean, it was just a, it was just a lot. Um, and I think what makes it so special is that I see – myself changing as a person, you know, Mm -hmm. and I am very, you know, dedicated and very adamant about being a particular type of mother. Um, But I also see myself like turning into like just a different person, which, you know, um, I think that this isn't the only experience where that happens, but I know just in my own personal experience, like I, I just see, you know, so much change. and so much like desire to be a, a good influence. And, um, you know, when I, I'm reading this book right now called, um, parenting from the inside out. And it's just such a, like when I read the book and it talks a lot about just like the development and like the brain and some nerdy, nerdy shit, uh, which I love, but like at the root of it, it's like, if you can like, solve and unpack your own childhood experiences you show up to these experiences in such a better way mm-hmm. and i just i just feel so much privileged that i had time to really unpack and address some of my own shit before i had him and i know a lot of parents don't really get that privilege they don't get that opportunity for whatever reason whether they you know kind of made this decision haphazardly or you know whatever, whatever led them to this experience, I just feel blessed and 
privilege that I recognize the importance of unpacking my own shit so that I don't fuck my kid up, you know? And the thing is you could do everything right. And you know, your kid mm-hmm. still may feel some sense of dissatisfaction, you know, but I think mm-hmm. being able to unpack that and, you know, it, I think it'll give me space in those moments when he does. Well, let me let me back up because he he tells me when he's dissatisfied all the time. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, he already be running it down like, don't talk to me like that and don't touch me and I don't want to hear that. And, you know, and <laughs> and there are moments when I it, it's such a process of unlearning because I find myself like addressing him in ways that I was addressed and I know that's not the way I want to address him and I'm always like okay let me go let me go back let me go back because that's not you know so I just I just I appreciate this opportunity to just to to just be an intentional parent and I, again I know that a lot of parents just didn't have that language that understanding and I just I, f- I feel privileged and honored to be able to to show up that way for him you know because I know a lot of kids don't get that so it was nice celebrating him today. I went and got him cupcakes yesterday for his class. And like, it was just a good day for him. I think like you could, you could just tell he got so many phone calls a day and you know, it was just, he was just excited and he like lit up like all day. And that just, it just felt good to see that and watch that. Um, you know, so all in all, it was a, it was a good day. That that was a high. And then no lows. I'm, you know, I'm two for two, you know, no lows. Everything has been, yeah, everything has been really good. So I, I could complain, but you know, I won't because I think everything has been pretty, pretty going to up and up. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what's going on for me. That's good. That's wonderful. I'm I'm yeah. glad to hear you're growing with mm-hmm. him. You know, yeah. that, that's the beauty, right? That's, yeah. I think that's what a lot of parents strive for is to grow with your child. Mm-hmm. So yeah. as long as you are growing, you know, you're not always going to be perfect. But I think as long as you keep that in the back of your mind, that you guys are both growing and learning mm-hmm. and adjusting, you'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. I think so, too. So let's jump in to these questions. So like we've done on every episode of this series thus far, we have come up with a list of questions to ask each other to unpack. Um, So I am going to kick it off and let Dom answer first. So the first question is going to be centered around friendship uh, evolution. And I am going to ask you, Dom, to think about this and kind of let us know what your thoughts are. How have your friendships evolved over the years and what significant life events or experiences have deepened your connections with your friends? Hmm. I think that's a good question. Um, I would say, I would say I have, so I have a set of friends from college um, and then I have one friend that I like have from like, middle school. No, we're still friends. And then I have like some friends that are like family, but not like blood. And I met one through her. So like, I have like that set of friends. And then I have some friends from my first, um, uh, job outside of graduate, outside of graduate school, you know? And so what I would say is, I guess the friends from, from, um, middle school and, and, and college, 
they've definitely evolved because, you know, when you're 13, 14 years old or 18, 19, 20 years old, I mean, like you're, you're still coming into your own, um, in lots of ways. And so, um, you know, I think that those relationships evolve because, you know, as you age and as you, um, engage in experiences, you know, your outlook on things change, you know, and so the way you, you, you know, vision things, the way you envision things change and the way you process information changes and like what you felt, you know, I guess more to the point, what I thought and what I believed at 13, 14, 15 or 21 is not what I think at 36, you know what I mean? And it's nice to see if those friendships evolve as well. But the, the, the challenge with evolution of friendships is that sometimes they don't evolve, right? Sometimes you are with friends from all those years ago that haven't grown, right? That haven't, um, I don't want to say leveled up, but haven't grown, you know? Um, and I, like, I hold this dichotomy a lot where it's like, I want to always be growing or always be open to the possibility of growing. But I also want to hold this idea that like, I'm not broken. I don't need to be fixed. I'm good the way I am. And and I, I think it's important for me to do that because I am someone who struggles with perfectionism and it's real easy for me to kind of fall back into like, you know, constantly looking at myself and looking at how I can be better and do better and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what experiences have, have changed my friendships in particular motherhood, you know, is I think is definitely, um, I have a lot, I have friends right now who, you know, all of our kids are, you know, under five years old, you know what I mean? So we kind of have very similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a, a journey. Like, I don't even know how I would get through some of the <laughs> challenges of motherhood if I didn't have my mom chat and like stuff like that. I mean, I think I just, I appreciate that. Um, and I couldn't have, I couldn't have envisioned that like my friendships with those women would have evolved into what they have, you know, after having kids. Marriage is another one, right? I, most of my friends, I'd say I may have one or two close friends that aren't married, but most of my friends are married. So I think having friends who kind of are married and understand like, the challenges of marriage, the challenges of like maintaining your own identity and also honoring your union and trying to like balance being an individual and also being someone who is committed to a long, long life with somebody else, right? A forever thing. <laughs> like that shit could be rough. And it's nice to have women who understand that. Um, I'd say. I'd say also career, right? I have a couple of friends work for, or a couple of professional friends who are really, I met them in a professional setting, but them is my girls. Like they're, I just, I just fuck with them. You know what I mean? Um, it just so happened that I met them, you know what I mean? In a professional setting, but like many of them are in private practice and, you know, I have one friend who I started, we kind of started at the same time in our first job out of graduate school she um she's a little bit older than me however though she 
she and I like started our like our careers in in counseling at, around the same time, and she's just like it's just she's such a breath of fresh air. She's so authentic, so real. Like, and we just so happened to be kind of, she started private practice a little bit before, like maybe five years before I did. And it, you know, wasn't taken off the way she wanted. And, and then like, I was, you know, telling her like, I'm really kind of thinking about pursuing this a little bit more. And she wasn't really happy with where her private practice was going. And she was like, okay, you know, and she kind of started to make some, some shifts and changes in, in her private practice. And, it was nice that we were kind of entering into something pretty similar at the same time. Um, so again, I don't know. I did, I think those experiences have definitely helped to deepen my connections with, with those women. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would say those things are, are, you know, what has, what have been significant in my, my time with those women and what have, what has really helped to grow our friendship. Yeah. What about you? I think kind of like mirroring what you say, I think, you know, all of these different experiences, I feel like the more experiences I have with someone, the more closer I get with them, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in in situations where I'm able to be more vulnerable, they're able to be more vulnerable. Um, So, you know, I'm someone who is very adamant of growing in in some manner. And I like to surround people, myself Mm -hmm. with people who are also growing. Um, And not saying that you have to just be out here like, you know, doing the most. But I, I really like to surround myself with people who are not just content with you know, the way things are. I feel like the mm-hmm. world is constantly changing around us and we should always be trying to evolve and and just do better than we did yesterday. Um, and so like with all of these different changes that happen amongst us, um, I think that that definitely impacts the relationships that I have with these individuals. And I will say like I have female friends, but I also have some male friends. Um, you know, not too much, not too much though, but yeah. I have some male friends that, you know, um, are just like, just really good and just like motivate me. And, you know, I have a friend who we started off as, um, he was my supervisor and, um, you know, when I first met him, I just knew like, we just meshed really well. And I was like, look, you got to be my supervisor. I don't care what anybody says, like make it happen. And he made it happen. And then like, he just was like such, like you ever meet someone who's just like, they're just such a great person. Like the vibe Mm -hmm. is just good. They are constantly like, not just like selfishly thinking about themselves, but literally where they will be in a room with a bunch of people and opportunities will be talked about and they'll make sure to mention your name or make Mm -hmm. sure to tell you about an opportunity. Like that's just who this person is. And just so thankful for him. And he's just like, he's just a nice, nice guy. And yeah. That is a friendship that started off professionally, but now I like literally tell him, like I'll reach out to him and tell him something that's happened in my personal life and I'll, you know, professional life and just so many different avenues and the same with him. And I, you know, I think that that's definitely helpful. Right. And then Mm -hmm. also just having relationships where, again, you know, you go from the dating life to now you have a partner and, you know, you want 
Not saying that all of my friends have to be married, right? Because I don't think that that's realistic, but I also like having like a mixture of friends that can understand the different things that are going on in my life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it's important to to have that balance. Um, The same thing with professional people. I, I want friends that are out here trying to get at things, right? Like I don't Mm -hmm. want to have, you know, where I'm so motivated and and really focused to be the best in my professional life. And Mm -hmm. I have a surrounding myself with people who are just like sitting on the couch all day, not doing anything. (laughs) Right. No, you know, no ambition, nothing. And again, Mm -hmm. like I think that it's, there's seasons, right? There's seasons where you're going to be on top of your game and there's going to be seasons when you might need a little bit more support. And I'm not saying that those people, you just like kind of write them off. But if I hold myself to a high standard, I want my friends to also hold themselves to a high standard, but I also want us to hold each other to a high standard in every avenue that we're in, right? If, If I'm in a low place, like, I want my friends to come and be in that low place and support me, but I'm going to do the same to you. But I also don't want you to make excuses for me. Like, I want you to hold me on to these expectations. So mm-hmm. I think that just different things, you know, I went from not having any kids to not have three kids, you know, yeah. and, and and three kids who are not like babies, like, you know, right. a kid who's about to be, she's a senior right now, getting ready to go into college and, and have two boys who, you know, are one just entered middle school and, you know, all the things that that brings about. So I like to have a mixture of friends who can understand and, and not saying that they have to exactly go through those situations, but have some context and, and be able to have discussions around it. And yeah. I think that that's important for friendships to really evolve throughout mm-hmm. whatever you're facing is, is yeah you know i think that's a good point i i think that having a mixture of friends is is uh is helpful i'm not one of those people who think like oh you know you're married you don't need to have single friends i, I don't really i think it just happened that way because i think even like my husband most of his friends are either married or in long-term relationships. There means there's a few who aren't, but for the most part, most of his friends, the majority of them are. And same for me, but I don't think that was done intentional. I think it just kind of happened that way. Uh, but I definitely am open to having like, I wouldn't write somebody off because they weren't married or they were you know, in them streets. Like, I mean, I just, I I wouldn't, you know what I mean? Because that doesn't have to be my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and those experiences don't mean that like, it doesn't negate like other ways in which we could be connected. You know what I mean? So I think that's a good point. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, again, we all have different seasons that we go through. And I think that that's important. I will say like, I, I have some friends who are single and, you know, I hear you know, they're single stories and things like that. And I think the important content behind that is boundaries, like healthy boundaries. I could not be in a full friendship with someone who was in their single era and being disrespectful to my relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I obviously feel the same way for my partner. Um, You know, his friendships, he has friends in different, you know, seasons and <laughs> as long as they are respectful and and understand the boundaries that we have in place i'm cool like 
you know, mm-hmm. everybody goes through different things. You know, some people don't want to be married. That's completely fine. Like, I'm yeah, not, yeah. not some people don't want to be in a relationship. I was one of those people. I didn't want to be in a relationship. So it's completely fine. But as long as you're respectful, yeah. I think that's the other, the other thing. Like I have friends who don't want to have kids. Like they are adamant. Mm-hmm. They're not kid people. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I respect your, you know, your wishes, whatever. As long as you are not disrespecting what I have going on, right? Like I think that that's right. important. And that's a, a big component of having a thriving friendship is like understanding what our boundaries are, what, you know, just because something is for me doesn't mean that it has to be for you, but you need to respect that, right? For mm-hmm. us to be able to have a friendship. So Yeah. Yeah. So the next question I'm going to ask you is, it's about navigating conflict. And so share a story about a time when you faced a significant disagreement or conflict with a friend. How did you handle it? And what did it, what did it teach you about resolving conflicts within friendships? I was trying to think about this question a little bit. Um, I think you know, when I was much younger, you know, middle school, high school, I felt like there was a lot of conflicts within my friend group. Um, you know, silly conflicts, you know, oh, yeah. you know, you like this boy and, you know, or you're hanging out, you know, everyone had their quote unquote best friend. And then, of course, like if your best friend was hanging a little bit too closely with another person, you felt like, you know, your best friend was now in jeopardy. So like, you know, just catty little things. Mm. So, you know, those now that I look back at it, very silly arguments. Yeah. But obviously, at that age, I thought the world was ending. Right. Like I thought that yeah. those were like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> that's not my friend anymore. Like, I can't talk to her. Um, but as an adult, I think more so conflict that I have had has been more so under misunderstanding. Um, mm. and I will say misunderstanding of maybe not fully knowing what someone is going through, mm-hmm. um, and, and feeling like they are short with you or they're not really as engaged, you know, just whatever, you know, just not kind of lining up. You guys are not in line like you used to. Um, And I will say, (laughs) I will say, I've not always been great with conflict in friendships because Mm. I will say there is a level of, if we're having conflict in a friendship, if we're both willing to unpack it and and figure out where we go from here, I feel like that's something that we can move forward with. But yeah. if there's conflict and I'm the only one showing up to try to come up with what the issue is and come up with the resolution, um, I don't really like to entertain that conflict. And I know that sounds really bad, but I'm someone who does really- it. <laughs> I mean, it might sound it might sound bad to some people listening, but I will say like, yeah, I'm one of those people like, I understand that misunderstandings happen, right? Like again, all the time, all know, the time. I could be feeling some type of way. You could be feeling some type of way. We're not fully saying what's going on. You know, again, we are individuals first, and there could just be a whole bunch of stuff going on. And instead of having that dialogue, it could be where you know. I understand that something has one amiss, but I feel like if you're willing to kind of like just go off of that feeling and not really have dialogue with me, 
a part of me like looks at it like, do I really need to entertain this friendship any longer? If you yeah. are so caught up on misunderstanding me and not like where I'm saying like people have to, you know, never look at you in a negative light or feel some type of way because that's not accurate. Like you're going to have these these issues with your friends at some point in time. If you've never mm-hmm. had a conflict with your friend, y'all ain't really friends. I don't care what nobody says, you ain't really friends. Mm. There's going to be some type of misunderstanding at some point, but it's how you handle that that really matters. And I will say like, you know, I have two really, really good friends. And although we've never had like serious conflict, I mean, we've had like little catty, stupid things. We've always, one of the things that has always been impressive to me and really made me want to fight for the friendship um, and and be engaged with all the different changing and moving parts is like the ability to always come back and say like, something is amiss. Like what's going on? Like, let's talk about this. I, I am more open to dealing with that type of conflict and, and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out a solution than dealing with anyone who's like, there's conflict. I'm not going to talk to you you're wrong. I don't have nothing to say to you. But not only that, but also going to other people and telling them that I'm wrong um, mm, and telling them girl. about the issues but not coming to me. You you don't, we're not as close as I thought we were. Like we're mm-hmm. not on that level that I initially thought. And so maybe the friendship wasn't what I thought it was. And mm, that's fine too. Yeah. Like, you know, what about you? So... Kind of similar. I mean, I didn't even really think about when you were talking about like high school and college and I didn't even really think about that. I was more so thinking about now in my life, but I think that's a really good point, right? That I would just say, I will preface this by saying that I am historically, I've not been good at conflict. I am a habitual avoider. (laughs) Um, you know, I will avoid conflict at all costs. So when you say you're not really friends if you don't have conflict, I think that I have often avoided sharing my true feelings to some of my friends about maybe ways in which I've been talked to or maybe ways in which I feel like I've been treated because of the challenge of the fear of rejection and abandonment. I don't think I knew it at the time But I think the fear of conflict, not having the skills to navigate conflict appropriately, and I think not being able to like emotionally regulate after the conflict, all those things have been enough for me to say, fuck it, I'm not even going to say nothing. But what it does is it leaves you feeling um, not whole and not complete, right? Like it leaves you feeling like you know that something don't feel right. You know that you had this issue. You didn't say anything. You know, that's not what you wanted to do, but you didn't have these skills and you didn't have the capacity to like approach the situation in a way that would get your needs met. Right. So the way you get your needs met is just to avoid (laughs) what you learn. What I've learned is that avoiding only prolongs it. It only, it only, um, it limits the suffering uh or or i'm sorry when you avoid something it feels like it's 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 um you're addressing it or it feels like um why am i tongue tied what am i trying to say like when i when you avoid something 
you're not really solving the problem, mm-hmm. but it feels like it feels easier, right? It's easier mm-hmm. to to do that than to actually well, you trick yourself into thinking that it's easier, right? If I don't bring this thing up, if I don't talk about this thing, you know, you know, you you got to act like everything's okay. And see, that's kind of what I what I have historically done, right? I've had these issues, I've not felt um, heard, you know, I felt ignored, I felt belittled or whatever, and I've not liked it, but I've not felt the strength to say anything or not felt the, I don't know, just felt scared to say something. You know, would I say it the right way? Would I have the right words? Would I be able to fully articulate my, my feelings? Right. Would I, would I be able to, to do that? You know? Um, and I really, I really attribute a lot of this to like, just not learning those skills. And I don't know if it's something that parents actively teach their kids anyway, but like when you grow up in a house where there wasn't any conversation around like your feelings mm-hmm. or when you felt the way you were told, I don't want to see that. You better go to your room. I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't want to see that. You know, like you, then you feel like, well, damn, like I can't tell nobody shit. <laughs> because, you know what I mean? This. <laughs> right. And while I don't think that those things were done with that intent, what parents don't understand is that when you shut down your kid's emotion, you do help them create patterns where they don't know how to speak up for themselves. They don't know how to express themselves. They don't know how to address conflict. They don't know how to fully articulate their feelings. And again, I don't have no hard feelings, but this is what I'm dealing with now, right? Like the aftermath of that is this, right? Living in a real world where I'm either an avoider or I'm aggressive, right? There is no in-between. For a long time, there was not any in-between. It was you avoid, you don't say anything, or somebody push you and you like, oh, you're going to get this. (laughs) You're going to get this. You know what I mean? So, and neither one is healthy, right? So when I think about navigating conflict in my life currently, I think that, I I think that for me, I don't have any desire to not show up like authentic at this point, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like is the only way I want to show up. I think I battle sometimes with what that might mean for the friendships and how I navigate the conflict. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is what I really struggle with is like, um, because I've, I've not had lots of experiences where you bring up conflict, y'all resolve it and y'all move past it. (laughs) Like I've not had a lot of experiences with that. Like it's either like, you know, y'all stop talking or y'all never have a conversation or you get ghosted, like, you know, all these different things that happen. And it, and I think for me, I think a, another huge piece about the conflict is that I would always like maybe downplay my feelings. Like, mm, I ain't that big of a deal, like whatever. And the reality is my feelings might've been hurt. My feelings might've been hurt. I might've been sad. I might've felt belittled or what belittled is not really an emotion, but like I might've felt a a particular emotion and what the emotion that's often most easiest to access is like anger or, you know, 
feeling pissed off, but like saying you're hurt, saying mm-hmm. that somebody hurt me or I felt betrayed. Like those things are not emotions that are easily accessible to people who struggle with like connecting their feelings to an experience, you know? And I think for a long time, because I wasn't ever really given the space to like acknowledge and own my feelings, it was just easier to like, you know, act like they weren't really that big of a deal or what happened wasn't that big of a deal or what they did wasn't that serious or, or on the flip side of that, like downplaying the experience, like it wasn't that serious. You shouldn't even say anything. Like, don't even worry about it. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to look silly or whatever, you know? And so at this point in my life, I don't have any desire to do that. I have a desire to just be honest. Like, you know, I don't even know what I need to say right now. I just feel scary, but like, I'm also feeling a little belittled by something that you said. And I'm not trying to make waves, but I'm just trying to be honest about how I feel. Like, I think I never really learned that like in your, when you're expressing your discomfort or your dissatisfaction, you can be honest and say, this is scary to me right now, but I need to say this, you know, this feels uncomfortable, but I don't want to not say anything because I don't want to be a bitch to you (laughs) next week because I didn't say this thing that's really on my heart, you know? So I think that's what I'm, I'm really trying to, to be is like not feeling the need to, um, you know, not feeling the need to discount my feelings um, when I feel something, when I have a, an emotion or when I have a feeling about something, really trying to assess, like, what is this, you know? Mm-hmm. And a, a huge piece for me in conflict is like, is this your shit or is this their shit, right? Is this, would you have responded this way if anyone said this thing? Or would you, are, are you responding because this particular person said this thing, right? Yeah. I think those things are important um, to kind of figure out. So that's that's kind of, you know, what I do in terms of, I guess at this point, when I'm trying to navigate through conflict. Um, but again, I, I think the struggle for me is not, just not having the space or not feeling validated, right, to mm-hmm. to my feelings. And so a lot of the work that I'm doing too is like, self-trust right if you feel something you don't need nobody to validate that shit yeah you don't need nobody to come in and say you're right to feel that way you need to trust that you feel something and you may not be able to define it or you may not be able to fully understand what it is but you feel it and it's there for a reason and you don't need anyone outside of yourself to validate that feeling you know that's like that's huge for me you know, that's been huge for me for like the past two years as, as I, you know, I went back to therapy, I guess almost three years ago at this point. Um, and I felt like, I felt like that's really what I've been really committed to working on is, is self-trust, you know? Cause I, I think when I think back to conflict, a lot of the issues that have come up have been because I didn't trust myself. Mm-hmm. I overlooked, you know, uh, a feeling like when people say your gut feeling I mean I used to say that but I don't think I ever really knew what that meant and I had a recent experience where I was like oh that's what that was <laughs> like <laughs> now I'm like pissed about something but I'm more pissed at myself because I had this feeling that was stirring inside of me but I was so disconnected from my body and so disconnected from what was going on internally that I discounted that 
and thought it and, and, and assumed that like my feelings, my internal feelings were something other than what I was experiencing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think for me, I've always been afraid of conflict, you know what I mean? Because the conflict in my house was, there was never like constructive conflict. It was never like, um, you know, conflict that was, we talk about it, we come up with a solution, we resolve it, we move on. Like, no. <laughs> so that's that's the struggle for me is like, how do I, you know, kind of unlearn like decades of maladaptive behaviors? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a, it's a journey, you know? So that's how I would, you know, define how I navigated conflict. Got another question. So this is about the art of listening. (laughs) Discuss the importance of active listening and maintaining healthy relationships. Uh, Can you recall a moment when being truly heard by a friend made a profound impact on your relationship? Hmm. So listening is definitely important. Active listening is definitely important. I think that when we think about communication, I don't think people even consider listening as a part of that. <laughs> I think people really just think that running their damn mouth is <laughs> communicating. And listening is a huge part of that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had a a breakdown in, in conflict with someone and it forced me to think like, damn, did I was I listening in that conversation? Um, was I truly listening? Um and so I, because this is what I do and I, I know this is what I do. I, I intellectualize things. So like I'm really big in like motivational interviewing and there's a book, it's a book about listening. And I was like, I'm gonna get this book, you know, and it, the you know, reading the book is a really short book. It's like under a hundred pages and it was really good. Right. It was, it really f- you know, focus different, different aspects on like what it truly means to be a good listener. And I hate to say this, but I think like as a therapist, I don't think I've been doing a really good job, you know, at listening, actively listening, you know, mm-hmm. I think that that was that. So I didn't just get the book for this particular situation or I, I wasn't, I wasn't motivated to get the book for this particular situation entirely. It definitely is something that can help in my career. Right. And so the, the author of the book is one of the, um, developers of motivational interviewing and, um, you know, so I say, I say all that to say that listening is important because if you're, and you, people have heard this, right. If you're only listening to reply to what somebody's saying to rebut what somebody is saying, then you're not truly listening. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest important component around listening is that most people don't even care if you agree with them, right? They don't care if you validate them. They want to know that you heard them, right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I can I can overlook the disagreement if somebody says, oh, okay, so this is how you were feeling, you know, or damn, I didn't realize that I did X, Y, and Z. You you can't you can't paraphrase and and tell tell somebody what you heard them say if you're only listening to discount what they said, right? To 
deflect and to discredit what they said, right? Which often is where we go when we are in those situations where conflict and disagreement and misunderstanding come in. Um, and so I also realized that oftentimes I'm like a defensive listener, right? Um, there's this, uh, I think she's a psychologist, um, Dr. Lerner, and she has wrote, wrote lots of books. She did a, a interview with Brene Brown about listening and she wrote this book about how to give an apology. And like, after one of these situations happened that I was a part of, I was like, it, it just was interesting to me because again, another thing that we can't really do effectively, right? Because having to apologize means that I got to like admit that I did something that hurt you, that made you feel, you know, belittled or made you feel, um, you know, angry or whatever. Right. And even if that wasn't my intention, I still got to, I still got to apologize. And people are like, I don't fuck with that. Like, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, why, why would I do that? I didn't, I didn't mean that wasn't my intention. Exactly. And it's like, it doesn't matter that it wasn't your intention. It right. Happened. It happened. Right. And I think, I think, she was describing what it means to be like a defensive listener. I'm like, damn, I've been doing that shit all up and through my relationships. God damn. Like how y'all deal with me? Because I, when I was, when I was listening through, I was like, damn, I don't know if I'll be dealing with me. <laughs> if this was the other way around. Well, here's the other thing though. Like we are, human. We're going to fuck up. We're going to make mistakes. I didn't like hold on to it for too long, but it just, it just made me reflect on like, how am I truly showing up in my friendships? Am I truly listening to what they have to say? Am I truly there? Like, am I, am I getting it? Am I, am I, am I tapped in to what's being said, you know, or am I just here to make you feel small and make you feel like your opinion doesn't matter or your feelings don't matter. Right. Um, so I can't really say that I've had a moment where being heard by a friend felt profound or it, it truly impacted the friendship because, well, you know what? I take that back. Well, I think I had one situation where, um, I don't know if I felt entirely heard in the situation, but I did feel like I was able to express myself like calmly, effectively, and clearly. And mm -hmm. oftentimes when you're frustrated and overwhelmed and upset, like it's really, really hard to do that. Like it's really hard to do that. You know, you have to be like, you know, your feng shui got to be real good. Cause it's, oh, it's really hard, you know? And I think that's one thing that I struggle with is like when I get, when I, when I am, dysregulated and I'm not special. Most people when they're dysregulated is like, it just doesn't happen. It can't happen. It's like impossible to happen. Um, but it was a situation around like my dad and I was expressing some feelings with some friends about a situation that had happened between me and him. This was a couple years ago. Um, and I did it. I, I was having a hard time feeling heard, um, in the situation. And I just had to say, after I say what I need to say, I just like, you know, I'm going to like stop talking about this because it's really is activating me. And like, I don't think, I think we're, we're not truly 
understanding each other. You know, I think that we're, you know, kind of talking past like the issue, you know? Um, so, um, I don't know if I, I just think I felt, I felt I was able to like fully articulate myself and I could do it in a way that, um, it just felt good that I was able to kind of be clear with my message. But I will say, you know, maybe I haven't felt like a true impact because, you know, when you're afraid of conflict, do you even go there? You know what I mean? Do you go there in a way that where where something like that can be created? I don't want to make it seem as though like my my friendships are fake. I don't think that they are. And I do think that some of my friendships are just chill and, and we kind of get each other. And so... But if I'm being honest, there are a few friendships or maybe a few instances where I overlooked addressing some things because I was afraid of the conflict. And and while that was like a while ago, a couple years ago, you know, I think that if I could go back and do things differently, I I would because I, I think that um it could have um it it could have allowed them to see me differently. It could have allowed me to, you know, again, not be like, not not dismiss my own feelings. You know, there was quite a bit of times where I felt, you know, and, and I don't know if it's that I'm sensitive or that they really said or did some things that I just didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's sometimes always a challenge for me, too, is like what's mine and what's not. Like trying to decipher that and discern that sometimes can be difficult for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that if I, if I could do it again, I would have, you know, spoken up so that maybe I could have had a moment where someone truly heard me, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. What about you? I mean, I don't, I mean, I think you kind of like uncovered, you know, and unpacked the difficulty of, you know, just feeling heard and and the importance of active listening, you know, one of the things I always say is like, are you listening to actually hear me or are you listening to respond, right? Because there's, yeah. there's definitely a difference. Um, you know, I'm someone who, you know, and I don't want to say conflict, but I'm someone who likes to talk things out. I don't like the elephant in the room yeah. um, because I'm like two sides, right? Like I, I'm, I care a lot and I love very hard. And, you know, if I do something that upsets you, I want to talk about it so we can figure it out. But then I also had the other side of me that's like, if you don't care to address this with me, then I won't care. And if I don't care, my, I don't care is like, wow, crazy. Like, <laughs> like really wild, crazy. Like, and, and this is something that I learned to do when I was a child is mm-hmm. I literally have like this light switch of my emotions and I could like turn that mess off. Mm. It's like, it's like two extremes. Like, and I think that's the cancer. I mean, I know like people are always like, oh, you know, what's your sign? But like, really like cancer is still a lot. Like we are very emotional people. Typically. Yeah. And so, like, it's either going to be to that extreme where I'm, like, heavily, like, emotionally involved or I just, like, you're, like, dead to me. Like, and you mm. can, like, literally be in the same room as me. I won't. You're, like, Casper. Like, you're not even Casper because Casper was in the room and, you know, people could tell. 
you're like literally like a sack. Like I don't see you. I, I we mm. I won't acknowledge you. Like you're dead to me. So like knowing that I have that in me, where I could go from those two extremes. Yeah. I I try to try my best to like if we have conflict and we have some type of friendship to figure it out. But again, like if you are key in like just misunderstanding me and and, and not wanting to address it and you want to stay in that conflict and I just don't want I think the issue for me is that when I was a child I had a lot of situations that I didn't have a say in and I had a lot of conflict that I felt very powerless in and so I've worked adamantly to make sure that my voice is heard and my no's are respected and that, you know, I speak up for myself and that's important to me. Like, and if I feel like I'm not, my voice is not respected, my, you know, you don't respect me as a person. Um, and respect looks so different, you know, in different situations, but just like that you value me enough to have dialogue. Um, because again, I'm not perfect. Like I said, I I have my own quirks and things like that. But like, if you don't even want to have that discussion, um, and you are just so gong ho on doing me in a certain light, I I can flip that switch off really quickly and just like. It's a wrap. Mm-hmm. So I, I try my best to to not get to that point because I know that that is in me, and then the friendship is gone. Um, so yeah, I get that too. You know, I get that too. That makes sense. I mean, I think much of it is probably just. I mean, it's definitely learned behavior, right? That those things were what you needed to keep yourself safe and. You know, sometimes in your adult life, in your in your adult life, those things still need to happen to keep yourself maybe not safe. You know what I mean? But just there needs to be some distance from me pouring, especially somebody like you who does seem to pour so much of what you have into other people. You know, especially if you care about them. So, like, if you're not committed to the work of the friendship as much as I am, then I need to cut it off because it could get very unhealthy if if I don't you know what I mean yeah. so I get that that makes sense yeah and then that's the thing too like I have to do it because I get so invested in other people and and yeah. like I said my love language is really to care about other people and 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 really make sure that they're good and mm-hmm. I also feel like not everyone deserves full access to you like I, I've learned that you know that you need to kind of be careful with who you're pouring, you know, yourself to into. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, I feel like there's friends for different seasons and like sometimes I've friends served in that season and, you know, there's no <laughs> ill will or anything like that, but like, we're just, we're in a different season and that's fine. Like we both got something out of it and, and, that's cool. Um, and then there's friends who literally are going to be there ups and downs and whatever. And that's great too. But like, I don't hold anything against it. Like if that's what it is, if you're just a friend for that season, like let's enjoy the season. Like let's figure it out. And next season, the seasons will change and we'll rotate and go to, you know, our separate ways. And that's fine. Um, and you know, maybe we'll see each other 
down the road or, you know, we'll check in here and there. That's fine. Um, you know, you just, there's just a time and place for everything, right? But right. I think that you just have to be careful with who you pour yourself into because not everyone is worthy of having that unlimited access, even mm-hmm. if in a season they, you guys did well together. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. So the next question is about trust and vulnerability. So explain explore the role of trust and vulnerability in your friendships. How do you build and maintain trust? And what does it mean to be vulnerable with your friends? So this, this question, when I read this, the situation popped in my head so quickly. Mm. And so, (laughs) okay. So I have these two, two of my best friends, literally, been through so much with them. But this situation literally solidified that they were my girls for life. Like yeah. they were they were never getting rid of me. Never, never getting mm. rid of me. So when we graduated from high school, my mom, um we had our graduation and my mom's boyfriend came in town. Okay. And this was my senior year, my house had caught on fire. I had lived in between um, my friend, my one best friend's house and then my other best friend's house. And then my mom finally got her own place and I moved in with her. And um, my mom was doing well. She had her own place for a while and things were like looking okay. And um, my mom's boyfriend came in town and he had just gotten his back pay for disability. Okay. So I was so excited because I was like, oh, yes, like he just got all this money. I just graduated. So, like, he's going to give me a good graduation gift because I was planning to move to Tampa with my cousin. So I was like excited. And my family all came in town for my graduation. And we all went. And my mom, we were all, we all went to Applebee's afterwards. And my mom texted my phone and she's like, oh, um, I'll, I'll meet you guys up there. Right. And I wasn't thinking that, like, I was having a good old time. Mm-hmm. And then my mom, I called my mom to see where she was at. And she's like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to make it. Um, but you and your friends can stay at the house. Um, me and her then boyfriend, we're going to get a hotel room. And I had asked my mom if I could have, like, a little get together at the house. And, and prior to him coming in town, she was like, no not happening right yeah. but then all of a sudden she was like well you guys could have the you know the house or whatever we're gonna go get a hotel room so i was like oh yes say no more like I told my girls like you know we got the house to ourselves like we were gonna mm-hmm. have a good old time so we did we literally like had a good old time my sisters were there like we had a ball we were mm-hmm. all throughout the like neighborhood or whatever had a ball well Got home, we all find a place to sleep, go to bed. It's like five, six o'clock in the morning. My mom's best friend at the time, who was also the landlord, came in screaming and yelling, cussing up a storm, telling everybody to get the F up, get our shit, and leave. And she's Mm. just spilling all my mom's business in front of all my friends. Now, mind you, Mm. my friends, this is like what I talked about with my husband. My friends all knew about my mom, but it was one of those things that was like unspoken. We did not yeah. talk about it in detail. Yeah. 
So she's just going on. She's talking about how my mom was behind several months on rent and how her boyfriend was supposed to be in town and she couldn't get in touch with him and she can't get in touch with my mom. She never brought her the money. And meanwhile, my house is packed with my friends now. Okay. Mm. I'm talking about some of my friends that was like really good friends. And then some of my friends that, you know, we had just became friends, like not like just became friends, but we weren't as close as others. So she's telling all my business. Yeah. And she's talking about my mom, you know, relapsing and that she's back on that shit and just like uh, all. And then she's like telling me and my sisters, we can't take nothing, like get get our shit that we got on and leave. Like the house was getting boarded up and like we were being evicted all in front of my friend. So when I say these girls didn't have no shame, like woke up. Somebody screaming and yelling, telling all of my business. These girls got up and just got busy. Like, what do you need us to do? We can grab whatever we could grab. We grabbing it. Like, and two of them had their own car. So they was like, whatever we could grab, put it in the car. Like, let's go. Mm -hmm. Then my sister, my older sister walks out the house and she realizes that her car is not there. So she automatically knows that my mom still has her car. Mm -hmm. So my, like my girls was like, Look, we'll we'll take this to your aunt's house or whatever. And then my friend Sherelle was like, Dom, like, let's go find your car. My friend literally took my sister. So she took us to my aunt's, dropped off the stuff that we were able to pack into their cars. Now, mind you, we're teenagers, okay? Yeah. Took it to my aunt's house. She took my sister to multiple crack houses in the freaking neighborhood to find my sister's car. And like wow. literally was like knocking on crack houses to get my sister, like to find my mom. Like, mm. and my sister ended up being, you know, asking if my mom was there. She wouldn't come to the door, she, but my sister saw her car and she ended up getting her keys and, and leaving. Yeah. And even to this day, I talked to them about like, how they never sat there and like had a discussion. There was no discussion about like, damn, your mom's on crack or anything like that. Like it was like go mode and just showed up and like, how can we support you? And even when I was like, and I was embarrassed, like I was embarrassed because it was a part yeah. of like, you know, it was a part of my life that I didn't talk about. Like people mm-hmm. knew and I knew people knew cause it wasn't a big town, but like mm-hmm. people just didn't talk about it. And I felt like someone had literally came in and was like, let's open up all these damn curtains and doors and like everybody's going to be in your house and like they're going to know all your dirty laundry. Mm. And for them to just like step up and be kids and be like, look, we're here for you. Like, we're not going to talk about you just getting evicted or whatever. Like, joked about it like later on. I mean, yeah, yeah. It was just so dope because I wasn't used to being vulnerable in in that aspect at all. You know, I had just went a a few months prior, had just lost literally my home. And then, like I said, I was staying with, you know, two of my friends on and off. So it was just like a lot. And just to see that my girls like knew what was going on, did not talk about it, didn't make jokes or nothing, was just like, like, let's figure this out. Like, I was like, yeah, we're we're in for the long haul. Like, 
And we even now still will talk like, and I'll tell them, like, I always bring that up of like what that moment meant to me. You know what I'm saying? Like to literally go through something so traumatic and so someone who's not used to being vulnerable and Mm -hmm. having no control over (laughs) what was being shared. Um, it, it was like a very important time in my life. And, and they showed up and stepped up. And like I said, if you've ever seen a crack house, like <laughs> having someone yeah. willing to not go to one, but go to multiple crack houses right. um, to look for someone's parent is, is a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, so very, very appreciative of, of that situation. And, and that kind of just cements it, you know, I could trust them and, and, and they could see the ugliness of my life and there was no judgment there. Like, and I think that they even shared, like, you know, when we talked about it later on, they even like opened up about things that were going on in their life. And like, you think, mm. don't think that everyone has these perfect lives. Like we all have. Yeah. Our own dick. And mm-hmm. so like that just made me feel like, damn, my life ain't that crazy. <laughs> I mean, right. Like, like I'm not, I'm not in this by myself or yeah, yeah. like, you know, everybody got something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I will say this one was kind of hard for me. I will say, um, that what has helped, I guess what has, what has helped to be vulnerable with my friends is, um, not feeling judgment. Right. Um, I think being vulnerable is it's important to me and it's difficult for me. So I, you know, so I, I hold these, you know, the both and right. It's, it's, it's both important and necessary for your friendships and it's tough and it's difficult and scary. And so the moments where I have allowed myself to share you know, aspects of my life or aspects of, of things that have just been challenging and overwhelming, I've not felt like judgment. And I've even felt like, how can we help you? How can I help you solve this? You know what I mean? Or like, if I can't help you solve it, like, what do you need? You know, what, what can I do while you're going through such a difficult or overwhelming situation? Um, and I think that's important for me because I'm not someone who like shares a lot about, especially if it's, I I don't mind sharing things, but generally if I don't, you know, if it's something that's super painful, I probably, I, to be honest, I'm probably going to share with my mom before I share with anyone. Like that's, (laughs) you know, and, and, and I just think that's a testament to how strong our relationship is. You know, I know I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get judgment or, and she's not going to judge any, judge anybody. She's not going to you know, treat anybody differently. Like she, she's just not going to do that. And like, she's really my friend, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel lucky and blessed for that, you know? Um, but if I'm sharing something that is r- truly painful and truly overwhelming and just feels like I'm, I'm exposing because that's what vulnerability is. Like you're exposing, yeah. it's literally, it's literally like, you know, you're bearing your emotions like you're exposing them right you're naked right you're sharing this the emotional 
piece of you in a way that you can, you can't cover it up. You can't, you can't hide it, you know? And that is, it's difficult at times because I have, because I have, I I didn't grow up with space to, to, to share my true feelings. I just have learned to deal with them on my own. Um, and obviously that's clearly not helpful when you are, you know, in a relationship with anybody, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not, it's not helpful because no one wants on the flip side, no one wants to feel like they're always sharing their shit, but you ain't sharing nothing either, you know? Right. Right. Like people want to feel, and not because they want something to hold over you, but they want to feel like this is like a, a relationship that not only can, can I share with you what I'm going through, but that you trust me enough to share with me what you're going through, you know? And so I think for, for me, just not feeling like I'm going to be judged for it, um, or judged for what I'm going through. And I think one thing that I tend to do, cause I am, I, I do have friends who, who do come to me, you know, and who do share things with me. And one thing that I try to remind myself is like, don't judge them for what they're coming to you with. Don't, they don't, because you never know when you're going to be on the receiving end where you might need a listening ear and you don't want to be judged. You know what I mean? Where you don't want, you know, your situation or your circumstance to, to be judged or discussed or any of that. So, you know, I think that's what has helped in my friendships in terms of trust and vulnerability. But again, like I said, not always having the, like the practice because, because vulnerability is a practice, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Trusting people and, and, and like walking in a way that is trustworthy. That's a, those are, those are, that's a practice that if you're not taught that it is, you're not just born with those things. You know, you're not born with the capacity to like be vulnerable and you're not born with the capacity to be trustworthy or to exhibit trust, you know, trusting behaviors. Like that's something that you have to practice. And that's why, you know, when I was speaking earlier about being a parent, like that's why it's so important for me. That's why I I really take that shit serious because I really want my son to have all the tools that I didn't. And, And again, I... I can't give him everything. I know that, but I do, I do attribute a lot of the, 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 the areas of my life where I struggle. I do attribute a lot of that to, you know, the way I was raised, you know what I mean? The way I grew up, you know? And I, again, I don't have any ill feelings, but I do, I think about those situations. And I know that if I would have had certain experiences, if I would have had certain uh, you know, a, a practice where I could be vulnerable and not be judged or, or I could share my true feelings, even if it hurt my caregiver, you know what I mean? Like, I think I would have been better off, you know? And so that's just an area that I'm, I'm really still trying to strengthen because it's, it's not, n- it's nowhere near what I want it to be, you know? Yeah. So. I have another question for you. So this right. is about support systems. Friends often serve as pillars of support during challenging times. Sharing experience with a friend's support played a crucial role in helping you overcome adversity. Huh. Let's see. Hmm. 
Um, I think I have one friend. Um, I had already kind of been thinking about going to therapy the first time. So this was probably in 2000 and maybe 2015 or 2016. I'd already been like toying around with the idea. And I was having like some counter transference <laughs> with my clients. And I was talking with this uh, friend who I worked with about, um, you know, the experience. And, and I, we got on the subject of like my childhood and like just things that I had experienced. And I remember, you know, telling her about some of my experiences, some that she could relate to. And I remember writing those things off as like, oh, well, they happened to me, but I deserve those things. Or, you know, I did things for for the outcome to be what it was. And much of that, we, we had a lot of similarities in terms of how we were, were raised and how we were parented. And she had already been kind of unpacking, you know, some of her childhood traumas. And I don't think at that point I had even acknowledged that like I did have any childhood trauma. I was just like, you know, it just is what it is. It just happened to me. And like, look at me now and I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. It happened. And like, it didn't, it didn't like, it didn't change my life, you know, in, in a negative way. But I think that's because I, I, I think I had those, those feelings because I was so disconnected to how like those experiences did impact me, you know? And again, at the time I was, fairly young, you know, I was probably in my mid twenties and you still don't really know shit then, you know, and, (laughs) you know, and I thought at that time, I think I thought I knew everything, you know? (laughs) So I think talking to her about my experiences made me think like, damn, like, you know, it's, it's funny because like when you tell people things that you went through, it doesn't sound like it don't sound fucked up until you tell somebody else and they're like, huh? (laughs) And you like, what like what's wrong with what's wrong with that like in this it wasn't like she was judging me mm-hmm. but i think we normalize our childhood experiences right we have to normalize it to make sense of it to go on mm-hmm. if you don't normalize what you went through or you don't find some way to make peace with what happened it you know that's kind of the brain is designed that way the brain is designed to protect you in that way when you're experiencing some traumatic events or when you're experiencing trauma so I, I those things needed to happen. I needed to find a way to like protect myself from what I was going through. And I think that's why I didn't necessarily see those experiences as abuse or as trauma. I just was like, well, all my friends kind of went through this and like that's just what we went through. You know, it's just what happened in my community. It's just what happened in my neighborhood. Like it's just what happened to my cousins. Like it just it's just what happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was also at the time I had started really thinking about one particular childhood traumatic event that I really wanted to begin to unpack because I had been really ignoring it. And again, I think I was showing up in ways that made me feel like maybe I didn't really need to address it because I was fine Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I wasn't. Um, So having that conversation with her, I felt like it was the first time I had really like thought, 
maybe I do need to go to therapy. Like maybe I do need to really kind of address some of these issues that I didn't really think were issues at the time. Right. But I think because she, she's a, she, she's a little bit older than me. She had already kind of been working through those, her own experiences. And I would think it was just helpful. It was just helpful to talk to somebody else who had been going through it. None of my friends were going to therapy at the time, you know, my generation at that age isn't like the generation now at 25. Them them 25, them 20s, they going to therapy. And they on Twitter and they on TikTok talking about it. You know what I mean? Like none of my friends at that time were going to therapy and they damn sure wasn't talking about it. You know? So I think having that moment with her was helpful because it really made me start to think, you know, maybe, maybe it would be worth really you know, talking about these things in more detail. So what about you? I would say, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with, with my two best friends. And one of the things that I really like about our friendship is with them being vulnerable is very easy for me. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not with most people. Um, but, you know, I would say being vulnerable with them is easy. And I would say even being vulnerable with you, like, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll check in and I'll just like, Dom, I need, like, I need someone level-headed. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Can you give me a moment? Um, <laughs> like, I, I have four people that I I have used, you know, in in prior situations, there has been, I always, I won't say like a test, but. I will give people a glimpse of something to see how they're going to react to it. Because I do think that, you know, although we all do have life experiences and go through different things, I will say I do have a large amount of trauma and chaos that I have experienced. And I don't think that everyone is equipped to be able to unpack that. Um, I also think that when people, oftentimes meet me and interact with me for the most part they don't fully know what my background is and um, what that trauma holds um and so I think that it can be off-putting to some people if I start to uncover just some of the deeper parts of me because they're like wait a minute I didn't know that was going on you know and just right um and it can be met with different things. And so I'm very particular of who I share those parts of me with, right? Um, mm-hmm. But in in having these dialogues with these, these main groups of people, um, you know, there's been so many different scenarios. You know, one of the ones that's more recent is like, you know, the loss of my mother that was very sudden. But the thing that kind of made that situation so difficult was not only did I lose my mom very suddenly, but my mother had um, custody and had my sister's children in, in her care. And so when she passed, it was one of those things where there were now these children who needed to kind of be taken care of, right? And at the time, both of my sisters were, who are the mothers of these children, were going through their own things, right? Not only were they going through their own things, but now they also have this significant loss. And if you're already not in a good headspace mentally, you know, with this significant grief, it was just like the nail on the coffin, right? Yeah. Um, And so 
I went from, you know, just me and my husband and our dog Dash to now losing my mom, which was so heavy and so sudden, to also trying to figure out how I then solve all these kids that I knew I could not take. Like I could not take every one of them um, and trying to come up with a scenario that worked, but also having to deal with, you know, my mom had no contest of them being in her care, but my mom was also a yes person. Like she didn't set very healthy boundaries. And I, I do, um, which can be very combative at times, especially for people who don't are not used to having boundaries or respecting them. And so it went from my mom being very easygoing to now I'm here and now I have to fight for what's right for these kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there was just like a very heavy thing. And I remember talking to, I think I talked to you. I spoke to, mm-hmm. you know, my two best friends. I spoke to my um, colleagues. I have three colleagues at work who are, I consider my friends. Spoke to them about it because I was just like, it was a lot. It was a lot all at once. And, and I was really struggling on how to unpack it. You know, losing my mom, getting the the kids, trying to figure out what was best for them. Then also having to deal with a custody battle. Yeah. Um, with a, a parent who was not an active parent at all, but just being like <laughs> and nasty and mm-hmm. and just like the difference, you know, uh, dealing with the legal system that, you know, one doesn't really um, value. I won't even say value, but acknowledge um, a, a sister's rights. Um, mm-hmm. um, dealing with that, dealing with a system that is, very confusing. It's like literally they were speaking a different language, trying to deal with that and, and deal with lawyers and who, again, different languages. Um, so it was just a lot. And then also still being present and doing my job, which is in a mental health field. So I was dealing with, mm. you know, people who were calling in for their own issues, you know, whether it be having suicide ideation or needing to get connected with a higher level of care because of substance use concerns, um, you know, dealing with their own grief, their own family dynamic issues. So also dealing with that. And then in addition to that, I'm also the team lead for our disruptive event management group. So that is where people will call in or organizations call in who have dealt with like very, you know, sad things, whether it be, you know, a colleague has passed away or a colleague's family member has passed away, but also like school shootings and just, you know, Mm -hmm. devastation. So it was so many different things that I was being pulled in and just trying to find a place to be like, one, I'm not superwoman. And Mm -hmm. two, I'm used to being someone who, even when I don't know how to maneuver through something, I usually present in a way that I'm going to figure the shit out. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie, like, for a moment, I was so lost in not even knowing, being able to come up with, like, actionable plans of what this looked like. I just felt like I was just getting swallowed, like. Yeah. And drowning. And I remember just having like conversations with you and, you know, my other friends and and them just being like, Can we just acknowledge that this is a hot ass mess? Like Yeah. Can you just take a moment and be like, you know what, this is not fair and this is a lot. And 
acknowledge that you're functioning. Like you feel like you're drowning, but you're actually like wading water. Like you, you're not drowning. You can breathe. Like acknowledge that, acknowledge what you have made it through and where you're at. And although you feel like you're drowning, like you're not right. And I think Mm. like that, that accountability and that acknowledgement of seeing me and seeing me fully and just knowing like this shit is rough and there is no like (laughs) nobody was passing out handbooks telling me like look you do like start from here nobody was doing that i was i was winging it okay Uh, but also like just like i think the the most important aspect was like my friends were mirrors to me. Like they, they mm. held up mirrors to me in those moments and be like, remember who you are. Remember what mm. you've gotten through. Like, yeah. And also acknowledge that this shit is hard. Like, yeah, this is, this is not something that you wake up and think like, okay, I, I can figure this out. Like, no, anyone will be struggling right now. Like, yeah, you have a right to be struggling right now. But like, mm-hmm. you're not alone. Like, what do you need? Like, but remember who you are. And I think like, it was those moments that I needed to like, get me to be like, okay, like, maybe we don't look at it as like a whole big old pile. Like maybe we need to look at it piece by piece and, and try to unpack it. And like, that's what you've been able to do thus far in your life. And that's what you need to do in this situation. Because if you just look at it as a pile, it's going to look like a landfill. And <laughs> there's like literally a, somebody drop you in a landfill and gives you like a toothbrush and tell you to clean up. Like, you're going to yeah. be like, what the hell? Like, you're going to be like, a toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think like just those moments of giving that mirror, reminding me who I was, reminding of what I've been able to get through what adversity I was able to, you know, overcome, but not only just overcome, but literally conquer that shit. Right. Yeah, man. I I needed that, that reminder because I was Mm -hmm. lost. I was really, really lost. So I feel like those friendships and, and that's a perfect example of those friendships being like, girl, like wake up, throw some water on your face, like take a break, acknowledge it's a hot mess. But now we got to figure out, like, where do we go from here? And, yeah. and that was definitely needed. Absolutely. That was a rough time. And I think those friends were absolutely right. Like, what you were navigating, bro, like, I, not I, I don't even know how you, <laughs> how you, and I don't, I don't think you've, I don't know if we ever get through it, like, and I guess I mean, like, get over it. I don't think you ever get over it, but it's definitely been much calm. It's been been more calm, calmer since, you know, some of the events of, of all you were, all of the things you were navigating, you know, those things have subsided. But I mean, I don't even know how you were doing that shit like i i don't Girl. i really don't and sometimes it does take people who know us when you said that they were holding up a mirror to me i think that's so it's so profound because like you know mirrors reflect right they reflect mm-hmm. what people see and what people know about you right yeah um and sometimes we need that mirror right we need people to remind us that 
what you're going through and what you're navigating through is not it's not easy and so the mere fact that you are even making it with all the things that you're going through is like remarkable you know like it's I know it doesn't feel like it in the moment it feels like uh, like 10,000 bricks is on your back and you're like bitch I need to get up like exactly. like, <laughs> you know, like help me up <laughs> right but like I think for people who know you and know what you've gone through and and also like you know what you are going through but sometimes it's hard for us to see it when we're in it it's hard for us to fully comprehend what we're going through when we're in it when we're in it we're just trying to get through the day yeah so it's, it's really hard to take perspective when you're truly in it so it was so and I remember a few times saying that like girl like are you okay like this is a lot you know it's a lot of time it's a lot of energy you're still a human who got your own stuff now you're taking on things that you couldn't have planned for and it's never ending like yeah this is uh, you know it's a lot so it's just nice that you were able to to get those reminders from all sides because sometimes we we definitely need that yeah. And yeah, I, I was definitely, you know, I, I'm continuously thankful for that because I think, you know, like I said, friendships are so essential to just functioning in your life. And yeah, and we all sure. need those moments where we have people who know us and, and hold up that mirror because life can get hard and we can get so caught up in surviving that we're just, it's just like, as just like breathing, right? We don't even think about doing it. It just happens. Um, but like when you're fighting so many battles, you need someone to be like, look, like you're here, like you're existing, like this, yeah. this ain't easy, but you're doing nope. it right. Mm-mm. Like, and you can keep doing it. Cause you know, I think it's, it's just important. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that, that example, because I think that it, it, I needed those reminders um mm-hmm. to bring me back to like I said I was I was in a very dark place you know yeah um and when you feel like you're falling down like just this bottomless pit um in darkness you you need reminders of being like you're not falling like or at least if you are falling that's fine too but like there there is some type of ground at some point and, and you will mm-hmm. hit that and then you can build yourself back up yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I have another question for you. And I just want to go and say, like, this is going to be a two-part episode. Yes. So, <laughs> if um, you haven't noticed from the... <laughs> please uh, just know that. Um, so we're actually going to go ahead and make this the second part. So thank you for... Thank you for tuning in and allowing us to be vulnerable together as we soar. If you enjoyed this episode and are interested in hearing more from us, make sure you hit that follow button so you are alerted when a new episode drops and leave a rating and a review below. Our podcast can be found on all major podcast platforms as well as YouTube. We'd love to hear your comments and how you're choosing to soar these next couple of weeks. Interact with us on Instagram at But What If I Soar as well as on our business pages at Free To Be Counseling Services and at Social MacGyver. Let's continue ascending or gliding even amongst the turbulence.